everyone, it is Stephanie Postles, the host of Up Next in Commerce. Before we get into our latest interview with another e-commerce leader, I wanted to let you know that the Up Next in Commerce podcast is now available for sponsorship for the first time ever. By partnering with us, your company will be connected to interviews with the most compelling founders, CEOs, VPs, and digital leaders in the world of commerce today. You have nothing to gain but thousands of followers and millions of impressions each and every month. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Up Next in Commerce. It's so amazing to see all the value that you can unlock by enabling like frictionless commerce. The idea of this sort of click and buy, it's been the sort of nirvana or the epiphany of what people really want and we've never gotten there. That's exactly what Fast has delivered. So suddenly you can open up e-commerce opportunities everywhere. In the world of e-commerce, there is no greater thorn in the side of shop owners than cart abandonment. When you look at the data, which reveals that cart abandonment is somewhere between 80 to 85% across the board, it's clear that this is a problem aching for a solution. The reason cart abandonment is so high is because the checkout process is often overcomplicated, requires too many clicks, asks the customer to provide too much information, the list goes on and on. There is so much friction involved that customers with intent to buy never reach the point of conversion. But what if that process could become seamless? Dom Holland is the CEO of Fast, and he believes he's achieved that frictionless experience thanks to a democratized one-click checkout solution that works across the internet. On this episode of Up Next in Commerce, Dom explains how that one-click solution works and why it isn't the answer to a payment problem. It's actually solving an identity problem that permeates every industry. Enjoy this episode. Next in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Respond quickly to changing customer needs with flexible e-commerce connected to marketing, sales, and service. Deliver intelligent commerce experiences your customers can trust across every channel. Together, we're ready for what's next in commerce. Learn more at salesforce.com slash commerce. Hey everyone, it is Stephanie. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you to subscribe to our weekly e-commerce newsletter at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. It's amazing. It's great. You will learn a lot of good things. Go subscribe. Hey everyone, welcome back to Up Next in Commerce. This is your host, Stephanie Postles, co-founder at mission.org. Joining us today, we have Dom Holland, the co-founder and CEO of Fast. Dom, welcome to the show. Hey, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you. It's actually perfect because I was just going through a very poor checkout process. And I was like, wow, what a perfect interview I have coming up today. I think it took about 25 fields to fill in for what I was trying to buy for a shirt. And I was like, I need Dom in my life. So tell me a little bit about Fast. What does Fast do? And how are you guys different? Yeah, so the um, simplest way to think of us is we're a one-click checkout for the entire internet with no passwords. So it's a button that you'll see on websites that says fast checkout. When you click it, you'll instantly buy whatever you're looking at. And that could be a single item. So it, the, our button often sits you know, above the add to cart button. So you can click fast checkout and just buy the product instantly that you're looking at. You don't have to go add to cart, view cart, checkout, then go through like 20 fields like you did and yes. then get to kind of payment. Uh, it all happens in one click. Uh, or you can click add to cart and sort of buy 20 items on the store and then, and then use fast checkout at the end. 
you know, uh, once you've used fast checkout to buy something, then uh, you can track all your deliveries in one place. You can download all your receipts in one place. Um, you can instantly reorder items you've ordered before through fast from your fast feed. So we have this um, fantastic and aggregated post-purchase experience, uh, which means, again, you don't have to kind of scramble to go back to, you know, remember the name of a site you bought something from a month ago and click a link from Gmail and then log in with a password you created for one store to try and find, you know, delivery date or something else. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we just try and make life easy and and fast for consumers. That's amazing. So what led you to creating Fast? Was there a problem that you encountered yourself? Yeah. What excited you about the payment? ecosystem yeah so um so originally not uh it wasn't a a payment problem uh and and fundamentally i think what fast is solving for is actually a um an identity problem and payments is just one component of that but you know the original inception was um you know i I married with two little kids and uh, my youngest child was in hospital for a, a few weeks and so we had my wife's grandmother staying with us and helping us out and uh one night she was sitting at the kitchen kitchen table ordering groceries for us and uh, forgot a password and just couldn't order groceries. One of the largest supermarket chains in Australia turned over you know, $70 billion a year, just couldn't figure out how to charge a little old lady's um, credit card a couple hundred dollars for some food because of some arbitrary string of text. And um, it was just like a hard blocker to, you know, for her to be able to buy food. It didn't make sense. And so um, at the time, I've got a prototype of a passwordless authentication system that could be used on you know, e-commerce sites. Uh, the idea is Granny could have just identified herself and then easily logged in and, and bought the groceries. But you know, I think that uh, you know, I put it online, I had tens of thousands of people use it in a couple of days, realized it was a big opportunity. But the, fundamentally, um, the passwords aren't a problem, they're a symptom. Again, the, the problem is that each business you know, requires us to sort of re-identify ourselves, right? Which means create a new account, you know, create a new password, log in with this password, create it for one store, fill in, you know, all these fields and forms from scratch, give them payment information from scratch. You know, you from a subscription standpoint, you know, if you lose your credit card, suddenly, you know, your Netflix subscription doesn't work, you know, your match T subscriptions don't work. Like everything, everything is cut off because everyone has these siloed pools of data for us. And so that's fundamentally what we solve for is just you not having to continually tell everyone who you are. You know, I'm 33 years old. My name and date of birth and you know basic information hasn't changed in over three decades, yet I have to keep filling in forms and telling people as if it's a like brand new information. It doesn't make sense. And um and so we, you know, we solve for that and, and make that really easy. And, and payments is, um, you know, a part of that and an integral part of that because it's part of the sort of consumer experience. A lot of our consumer interactions involve financial transactions, but um, a, a lot of the time it's just, uh, uh, you know, fundamentally making it easier for people to uh, leverage their, their identity online. That's awesome. So earlier you were mentioning about like your name and age not changing, like how are you guys, what does the backend look like to solve for identity and why hasn't this been done before? Yeah, look, I think that, um, you know, there are companies that have uh, had the opportunity to do this before. I think Facebook really had that opportunity, but rather than go down the identity space, they went down the advertising road, right? So rather than use your data to make, you know, your data portable and, and easy for consumers to use, they chose to use your data for advertising. And, um, I, you know, I don't think that from Facebook's perspective, I don't think it was a bad decision. You know, Facebook <laughs> makes a lot of money from doing that. But it's just a different, it was, you know, they can't then become your trusted source of data, right? If they're, if they're giving, you know, using your data for advertising as their primary source of revenue, then it's not really your trusted source for, for um, holding your private and sensitive information. So I think that there's been opportunities like that. And I do think that advertising tends to kill identity, um, identity products really quickly. 
But um, I think the other reality is that uh, people have just kind of thought about things differently or they've been solving, you know, their own problems or they've been solving for business problems instead of consumer problems. And, uh, you know, things like Apple, you know, Apple are building an ecosystem that you can sort of now do kind of login sometimes. You can do checkout if you're on an Apple device on some sites and with some cards and that type of thing. So they've got like limited context, but basically they've got solutions to make it easier for people, you know, to perform certain actions if they're within their ecosystem, right? Same thing is kind of true of Google. Same thing is true of like, you know, other e-commerce platforms for stores that are on those platforms. And, and basically what these companies are doing are reinforcing their existing ecosystems or, you know, further monetizing their existing base of merchants. But they, they obviously don't want to reward people who aren't in their ecosystem, right? And so they're fundamentally solving a different problem. Like for us, we're trying to solve the problem of, you know, granny being able to buy groceries. Like how can we make it fast and easy for people to buy things? And how do we make it fast and easy for people to log in? How do we make it fast and easy for people to, you know, securely use their data online? And uh, and it's just a very different value prop. You know, the, our product strategy differs because we're out there trying to solve a consumer problem and and most of these companies aren't. And and I think that's the like primary difference that you see shine through in in, in products. Got it. And I, I read that you are a self-taught engineer. So tell me a little bit about that. And are you doing the engineering at fast or not no longer are you doing that <laughs> yeah so um yeah you know i've been programming since i was uh, 13 14 i'm 33 now so a, a long time I, i've always liked to build things always been fascinated with you know computers and programming and technology in general uh, i you know i built the original fast v1 uh, you know up until recently actually it was um completely built and maintained by me Yep. And um, we now have a very big and strong engineering org. And I can say with unequivocally that, no, I don't, <laughs> I no longer build uh, the fast infrastructure and the team, you know, keep me far away. Um, I don't think that I'm the sort of enterprise uh, grade engineer that we need internally, but, um, but I'm still very um, sort of technically involved and, and involved at a very close level in it at the product side mm -hmm. and uh you know very very opinionated as uh, how our products should work uh, obviously um alice and my co-founder and i both have like very strong um, visions as to you know how how we think you know the future of identity future of payments future of commerce should work and um and, and really want to see that see that come to life through our products that's great so what was the first thing you built when you were 13 do you remember uh yeah so uh the first program i ever wrote was a um a script to determine if a word was a palindrome <laughs> and uh, and you know there was a um uh, my ex step that actually was a uh, you know was a computer scientist and um and a programmer and uh, he myself and the sys admin of of a university in australia all each wrote our own version of the script and then measured the speed and and had a competition to see whose whose script would perform um, the fastest calculation was the that's first. great how it all got started yeah. I love that <laughs> so with everything that's happening right now with the pandemic I can see a very big problem happening around scams like new scams that are coming about because you have a lot more people who are now usually using mm. digital payments that maybe they weren't doing that in the past it seems like there's a big opportunity yeah. there for people to take advantage. So how are you guys mm. approaching this landscape now? Like, is it different now than it maybe would have been a year ago? Like the problems that you're having to solve around security? Yeah, so um, internally, we've been absolutely focused on security since day one. So we hired a VP of security before we hired our first engineering manager. You know, we really build out the security function very early. I Honestly, for a company of our stage, 
I would unequivocally say like the most have the most sophisticated security posture of all. We have like a lot of different programs in place. And really it's because we're managing, you know, data and payments. It's essentially our business. So we, you know, just very intentional and, and have been about embedding into our culture, our sort of culture of security and privacy from day one. And, uh, and it's a really important piece. The reality is that it's not that interesting from a consumer's perspective, right? Uh, like they're far more interested in security, far less interested in security than they should be. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean that we shouldn't care about it. It just means that we don't talk about it a lot, right? Um, it's not like a benefit that's, that's going to drive consumers in, you know, in droves to sign up for fast. One click checkout drives consumers in droves to sign up, you know, for fast. But the reality is we need to keep them safe when they do. And, and security is like an integral part of that. Same thing, you know, is true of merchants and then reducing fraud and chargebacks and so forth. So we invest a lot, in, you know, into that, you know, from every level of our product, from, you know, application design perspective and a system design perspective and infrastructure and, and, um, and sort of internal policies and, and whatever else. So, um, you know, we, we, we think about it a lot. The reality is that, you know, our product, is extremely well poised um, to uh, sort of reduce, you know, consumer fraud or merchant fraud and, um, you know, identity um, theft and so forth because we sit as an identity solution, you know, as first and foremost. And so when it comes to, you know, making a transaction, typically, you know, everyone's transactions are siloed, everyone's, you know, data vaults are siloed. Uh, so every store is sort of operating independently, right? They kind of only looking at their own historical data, um, you know, primarily as the determinant risk. Whereas um, the beautiful thing about Fast is that because we sit across, you know, every store, because you can use your sort of identity hold with Fast, you know, at, at every different merchant and all the different sites across the internet, we can um, really, you know, in a really sophisticated banner um, help to reduce um, that risk because we can, uh, you know, gauge gauge risk against your profile and past purchases and, um, you know, login history and so forth. Um, and identify anomalies. So it really means that we can keep consumers far more safe than than basically any other solution. Yeah, that that's really great. I mean, I think anyone who's working with you would feel really good about having that those safety measures in place because I was just reading about how many shops are, like how many people are now using debit cards, especially with contactless payments, but that a lot of yep. merchants aren't asking for pins anymore because it's too much friction yep. when it comes to payments. And I never even thought about that, that a merchant can be like, ah, no, I'm not going to ask for the pin for your debit card because it takes too much time. Like that's a huge risk. Your debit card can be linked to your entire savings. Yeah, look, absolutely. And, um, you you know, in Australia, one debit cards, um, you know, we sort of launched uh, EMV chip cards um, earlier than the US and and really, you know, years ago, EMV chip cards uh, were mandatorily introduced throughout the country. So we've been using them for a long time. You know, we have uh, less than $100 you don't use a PIN and over $100 you do. Mm-hmm. And um, that's standard across country. Uh, whereas here, it's like it's, it's almost like the Wild West where yeah. some stores, you know, enforce a PIN on any transaction. So a dollar or something like that, you still have to use a PIN. And then some stores, you know, I've done hundreds of dollars in transactions and had no PIN. So, yeah, I think that there's, uh, you know, there's, there is something to be said about like having, you know, a set of standards and, and a strong set of standards to protect. You know, both consumer and 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 the bank or the merchant, right? Is uh, like one is the your risk as a consumer and suddenly not having food in your account, and that's right. It's a debit card link linked to your real money, and if that account is drained, even if you've got protection from the bank or whatnot, it's not going to come instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and so there's a real risk to people, and then again from the merchant side, in, in you know from from sort of card fraud. So yeah, yeah, very scary. So when it comes to e-commerce shops. Uh, what tools are you integrated with right now? Like who can actually use you? 
or in the future, who do you plan to use or who do you plan to partner with? Yeah, good question. Um, so we launched last month um, in a partnership with BigCommerce. And so, uh, you know, uh, every every one of BigCommerce's 60,000 merchants can offer fast checkout to their consumers uh, and to their shoppers. Uh, we um, next month are launched with support for WooCommerce, uh, another large platform with you know, over, a, over a million and a half active merchants. And uh, and Magento the month after that, yep. and then uh, uh, next year we're going to be launching support for Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Uh, really excited to you know work with the Salesforce team and and take that um, uh, launch launch on Commerce Cloud. Amazing. I'm not biased or anything, but I do think they're probably going to be the best partner. <laughs> uh, w- without a doubt, and uh, you know the reality is is you know a lot of uh, a lot of the world's you know favorite brands really do sit um, on Commerce Cloud, so it absolutely is a um, it is a key partner and one we're excited to get off the ground. I love that. So to shift over to the merchant mindset a bit, because that that is who listens for the most part to this show, I was looking Mm -hmm. on your co-founder, Allison's Twitter, and she had a stat on there saying that 50% of cart abandonment occurs at the payment stage in the US. And I wanted to hear a little bit about maybe a case study or metrics that you guys look at to see, or that a merchant should be looking at to see if their payment process is going well and how maybe, like, what is the average? What should they say? Like, oh, this is normal you know, cart abandonment around this percent's normal and this is too high. Like how can a merchant think about um, whether they're doing well or not? Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, and I think that there's so many ways to look at this. The average cart abandonment, you know, is is 80 to 85% across the board. Oh, well, higher than I thought. It is phenomenally high. And um, and so the reality is, you know, if you're doing less than that, then, you know, you're doing above, you know, in, in, below industry average. So maybe you think that that's good. The reality is it's appalling. You know, like 80 to 85% of your customers who have given clear intent to purchase are leaving without buying something. And so, uh, you know, even if you're below that, I don't think it's good enough. And um, it's not good enough because, you know, one, you're missing out on the sales and two, like your customers are just having a terrible experience. And some people, it's, you know, like my granny story, it's just actually a hard pocket. Like they're, they're just unable to buy from you. Other people, it's just like so long and inconvenient that they're just leaving. Yep. And the reality is, you know, like we said, the typical flow is, you know, this add to cart view. Like everyone kind of thinks of checkout as like the final stage of checkout. But it's not like the process of buying something is add to cart, view cart, check out. And then, you know, you typically ask them for your email first and then you're trying to work if they're a customer or not. If they are a customer, get them to log in. If they're not, then say, do you want to do guest checkout? Then you give them a whole bunch of you know forms to fill out. And then at the end, you ask them for payment. So, you know, fast is really different. Every single site that has fast on it, you will see a fast checkout button on the product page. And uh, you can also see it on the cart page and you can also see it on the checkout page, but it's on every cart page, it's on every product page. And, and this is really the biggest difference because the fastest way, the easiest way for somebody to buy something is from the point that they're looking at what they want to buy, mm-hmm. right? And it's one click to be finished and order from the point that you're looking at the product with fast. Uh, and that is just such a big difference. It's a one, it's an actual one click checkout. Whereas, you know, every other solution is an act, isn't one click anyway, the payment, you know, it's not normally at least sort of two or three or five clicks or whatever, but it's one or two or three or five clicks after you've done like 10 steps to get to the payment section of checkout. Yep. And, uh, and it's really slow. And so as a, as a merchant, you know, you can see, very clearly in your analytics, every stage of drop-off, right? So uh, from add to cart, how many people leave? From view cart, how many people leave? From checkout, from the email form, how many people leave? And and so forth, all the way down the train. Now, if you've got 15 steps in that process, if you've got five steps in that process, then 
that's a lot more than one step. I mean, you know, it's hard to have abandonment from, you know, that levels of abandonment from a one step process. Yep. So um, that's why, you know, fast is, is really just so different in, in market uh, because we take what is a much, much longer process and just like simplify it to the end. Cut it. And are you advising the merchants when it comes to minimums? Because I could see me, you know, finding, um, I don't know, a mascara. It's only a couple of dollars, like having fast checkout on there. Would you tell, like, how do you set that up for the merchants so that they're still doing things in a profitable way, but also allowing for that fast checkout, especially if they have lower price items? Uh, you're talking about my favorite point here. You know, so the, the, the fear of merchants has always, and like absolutely warranted, the reason that they will not put any other payment buttons on the product page, right? So it's not like no one else has ever asked to be on the product page, yeah. but merchants typically just say no to having PayPal, Apple Pay, Google Pay, like pick your payment button. They just say no to having it on the product page. And it's because the fear is, and, and the absolutely warranted fear, is that um, it'll reduce average order values. Mm-hmm. It'll reduce the average items per order. Uh, it'll increase delivery costs. It'll increase shipping costs. And they don't want to do that, right? Merchants don't want to reduce the amount of money that they're making. Yeah. And and the reality is if you put an Apple Pay button onto a product page and a consumer uses that button, the merchant is guaranteeing they're only selling one item. So, you know, if it's mascara for for $4.99, then they're only selling mascara for $4.99. As a consumer, it also means that consumer is going to pay like individual shipping costs mm-hmm. for an item, right? So like typically the shipping might be like six. $7 or something. And so a $5 mascara is suddenly um, more than double, uh, you know, as expensive. So as a consumer, it's not a great um, outcome either. So it doesn't make sense. And uh, even on higher value transactions, right? Even if the product was $50, it still wants to bundle, you know, multiple products into a transaction. So they still aren't incentivized to be pushing payment, like individual payment buttons onto product pages. The difference of fast, and we had spent a long time engineering something, you know, with, with this exact use case in mind, yeah, and it makes us absolutely different from every single you know payment button on the market because we're not just a payment button. Is that we natively integrate batching, which means as a consumer, when you click fast checkout, you instantly buy whatever you're looking to buy. The mascara, it's yours. Now you can keep browsing, and then uh, you know a couple of minutes later, you decide that you want to buy you know um, eyeliner, and you click fast checkout on the eyeliner, and now you've got one order with two products on it, not two orders of one product. So for the merchant, the average order value is now increased. The average items per order is now increased. They only have to fulfill one order. So they only have one box. It's going to go out to the consumer. And so it's only going to be one delivery cost to them. Uh, And they're only going to be charged one transaction fee. So the consumer only has one charge on their credit card. The merchant only has one charge from fast. And so uh, it keeps average order value high, items per order. So, you know, even though we're on every single product page, and I can tell you that between 75 and 80% of every single checkout on Fast is from the product page. So it is like absolutely overwhelming the impact that it has to businesses that, you know, to every single business that takes on Fast, um, that the majority of these sales are coming from product page and it makes, makes all the sense in the world. Yet our average items per order is over two, you know, and a lot of stores, uh, the average items per order, even without uh, buttons on the product page is less than two. It's like 1.7, 1.6. Yep. So we are driving people. We're making it easy for people to buy things. People are buying things. People are buying more things. So businesses make far more money, can increase their order values, can increase average items per order, can decrease their shipping costs, can decrease their payment costs, and yet still be increasing conversion rate, you know, much higher than they are now and decreasing abandonment. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, the button on the product page, the fast checkout on product page without batching functionality is just, is, is just a, a next level for e-commerce. 
Yeah, that, that's really cool to hear how that works behind the scenes. And I can definitely see that working well. I, I mean, I'm even thinking about how many times I've added a bunch of things to a cart, especially on my phone, and then just forgot about it and came back and it wasn't there anymore. And yep. even within Amazon, I mean, they have that buy now button. And I will buy the smallest things just buy, buy, buy. I'm sure maybe they yeah. also batch that in the background, but it doesn't matter to me because I'm, you know, I'm just going through quickly buying things that maybe otherwise would have sat in a cart for a week. So this is, to, you've hit nail on the head. So Amazon is the only other company in the world that batches like we do. Okay. And they only batch like that for amazon.com, right? So Amazon yeah. pay doesn't do this. So what we have done is take that same functionality that the world's you know largest e-commerce site built for themselves and given it to every single other merchant. And it's just natively integrated out of the box. Merchants don't have to do anything, they just integrate fast and we do the rest. Um, and so it's like very, very sophisticated technology that you know decreases cost for business and um, and everyone gets it by default. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. So I also just read that you guys raised 20 million in funding and I wanted to hear a little bit about what you plan to do with that. Yeah, so we raised a $20 million Series A led by Stripe. Um, yeah, obviously, Stripe is one of the largest payment processes uh, in, in the world and, uh, and in payment infrastructure businesses. And in fact, you know, Stripe recently just partnered with Salesforce um, nice. and, uh, and, and uh, Stripe is going to be integrated into Commerce Cloud um, as well and, cool. and a sort of key partner of, of Commerce Cloud. Uh, and so, you know, really our, our goal is, you know, to enable as many consumers and as many businesses as possible to use Fast. And so, uh, you know, the money we raised is really to, to speed up that expansion. And, um, you know, our, our mission is to put these buttons on every website in the world and, you know, partnering with people like Stripe, uh, huge distribution partners for, for Fast and great partners for us. And, and we use payment, Stripe's payment processing, uh, you know, which underpins Fast. But, uh, yeah, you know, we're deploying the capital to, um, to build our network of merchants and offer Fast to, you know, every, con- every internet-connected consumer in the world. That's awesome. So how are you approaching international markets? Have you started doing that yet? Or how are you thinking about that rollout plan? Because it seems like it could be tricky since everyone has a different idea of how payments should work or what they're comfortable with or how they pay. Yeah, you know, it's a good point. Um, so, so we already have merchants in five countries and, uh, you know, we, we can support merchants in 42 countries. So we're expanding our sort of rollout we support buyers all around the world. Obviously, e-commerce is kind of inherently global because you can buy from stores all around the world and have items shipped, you know, internationally quite quite easily these days. So there is a, you know, a, definitely a large like global component to our business. The reality is that typically payment processing has been dictated by merchants, right? And it's like a, a cost-driven exercise. It's it's a you know more of a commodity product, um, and you know, consumer has no idea who. Stripe is or Adyen or Braintree or like these companies that sit in the background that process money, consumers don't know them, right? Yep. The consumer just interfaces with the business, gives them their credit card details and where they go. Uh, the reality is that with Fast, where a button sits on the front end, consumers get to know who we are. They choose to use a button because they get one-click checkout. It means that they get this entire post-purchase experience for free that they don't get before. Finally, you know, they get this, ag- the, all of their orders in one place, all of their products in one place. It's Great experience for a consumer. And so the consumer is now driving the decision as to how payment processing should be rather than business. Um, now, that's not to say business don't have a choice. Obviously, they get to put fast on their website. But the reality is um, the consumers are being far more active into which payment you know, provider is being used because it's, it's being driven by that front end um, decision. And, uh, and I think that that's the biggest change that you'll see moving forward is that a lot of payment decisions are going to be made by consumers as opposed to business. Yeah, I love that. So... Have you heard any feature or feature requests from these 
new customers that you're onboarding that maybe you weren't expecting since you just launched six weeks ago. I'm sure you maybe have, you know, a couple of people being like, hey, I would like this or that. And then you're actually building something that you weren't planning to build before launching. Yeah, look, our two, our two biggest um, features that we, we get asked for all the time by you know merchants and consumers is returns and subscriptions, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to be supporting both of those very early next year. You know, it, we, we want you to be able to manage your subscriptions very fast. And as a consumer, this means you know we put all of the power in in a consumer's hand, right? So that they all of the control stuff that they don't have at the moment, they don't get to see all of their purchases in one place. They don't get to see like rich sort of receipt information. They don't get to like reorder products easily. So we're giving them that. And then, uh, but the same thing is true for subscriptions. Like, where are all the subscriptions, you know, um, managed that, you know, come out of our accounts every month? Uh, it's like horrific, the state of um, subscriptions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we're building that support for subscriptions for consumers and, and or obviously for business as well. That means that it becomes very easy. One click for your customers to sign up for a subscription with you. So it's a, a really great experience for both. And in returns as well, you know, we want to make it easier for consumers to return things and give them instant refunds on the, on the money, right? Let them spend the money again straight away. And then the, the last one that's really, that I, I find really exciting is so we already offer the one-click reorder from Fast from our online dashboard, but we're going to be bringing out um, instant reordering of products, uh, of physical products. So you can scan a code in the back of the, uh, you know, the back of your shampoo when you run out, and more shampoo will come and be delivered. Um, you can do wow. the same thing, you know, ketchup in your fridge, and more ketchup will come. Basically, you know, every consumable good in your in your house, um, you'll be able to reorder, you know, just by scanning a code on the back of back of the product. Wow, it feels like you guys are tackling a lot of different really important areas. I mean, I'm even thinking about some of those finance apps where they're like, let's analyze all the subscriptions that you're subscribed to. And it seems like you guys are kind of building a dashboard that's going to, you know, cover that, cover, you know, the reordering of things, covering returns. Like you guys seem to be doing a lot that a lot of other individuals have maybe tried to build one-off products to solve. Yeah, look, I, exactly. And I think that, you know, you think about all these spaces, right? Every, this has been the problem. Everyone has thought of all of these things as disjointed problems, mm-hmm. right? Again, the core thing that we're solving is identity for consumers, right? It's the, the, you know, the when you walk into a doctor, you still have to fill in a paper-based form. Like it's crazy. Yep. You know, everyone just has these silent information, move address. You've got to tell everyone your new address again. It just like the state of the world, the world is broken because of identity. And, and so that's fundamentally what we're solving. And so we're giving consumers a home to manage their information. And that means when you buy things, give you a home to manage those purchases. When you subscribe to things, give you a home to manage those subscriptions. And so, you know, we really just think like, how can we provide a really secure and centralized spot for consumers where that puts them in control of their data, as opposed to, um, you know, leaving businesses to be in control of their data. Yeah. Yeah. Even thinking right now about every time I take my six month old twins, I take them into the doctor and I have to fill out the form twice with the same information. I'm like, ah, this is horrible. Exactly. Yeah. 100, uh, 100%. I think of doctors is like the best use case for us is to, you know, how, how annoying it is and how frustrating. Yeah. So what channels are you all using to get the word out? Like, what do you see success in? And I'm asking this because I was looking at your website and then on Instagram, bam, there was Dom talking to me saying, hey, you checked out our website. Where'd you go? And I was like, whoa, that was quick and awesome retargeting. So what are you guys um, finding success in right now to get the word out about Fast? Yeah, you know, um, so obviously social channels are great. We use all the major social channels and, uh, you know, a lot of different sort of data retargeting tools, um, for, uh, you know, especially for business, uh, for business customers. 
uh, so this tool's like clear bit, you know, let us like really effectively target, um, you know, our core demographic. But it, really for us, distribution actually comes through sellers, right? Mm-hmm. He, sellers put on the button onto their website and really that's the biggest window into consumers. That's where we grow our fastest consumer generation. So we don't um, typically like, you know, have to sort of try and actively build, you know, or really, you know, drastically proactively build uh, the consumer network because it comes through sellers. Not, you know, 90% of, of, of buyers are first time, uh, first time fast customers. They come to us through a merchant site. But now, you know, after the first time that they, you know, fill in the form once, now they have one click checkout everywhere else, even on that site, right? So the once they, you know, click fast checkout on, on a mascara, then they fill in their details, then they keep browsing and then they buy the second product. And uh, the second product is one click, right? And then um, the same thing is true if they come back a month later or a week later, whatever they can buy again. So, uh, so for us, it's all about how how do we bring on you know more merchants? And great thing about e-commerce is that it's you know every e-commerce site in the world is public. We can identify our entire market mm-hmm. from day dot, and you know we use Salesforce for our engine, and we track virtually every e-commerce site in the world and, you know, know, know what technology they're on and know what payment processes they use and, and target them, you know, target them accordingly with, through both sales and marketing uh, and, and partner with, you know, platforms like, you know, e-commerce or Salesforce, commerce cloud or so forth to, you know, to better sell into those ecosystems. Yep. But yeah, I think we really just want to make use of all of the tools, you know, and channels available to us and, um, or, you know, the, all the relevant ones at least and, um, and reach people where, wherever they are. That's awesome. So it seems like also that you guys um, are very far ahead of certain topics, like certain products that you're building just feel far in the future that like, I didn't think those problems would get solved in a year, but it seems like you guys are tackling them. So I want to hear what the future of online commerce looks like to you. Like in 2025, what will the process look like and how should merchants be preparing right now? You know, it's, it's so amazing to see all the value that you can unlock by enabling like frictionless commerce, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's the idea of this sort of click, click and buy. And, um, and, and really, you know, it's been the sort of nirvana or the epiphany of what you know, people really want and we've never gotten there. Um, and, and that's exactly what Fast has delivered. And so suddenly you can open up, um, uh, you know, e-commerce opportunities e- everywhere, right? Not just through your site and then some, through some 10 minute checkout process, if it's one click checkout, it means you could, you know, just pay 50 cents and read an article or, or you know, subscribe to the Wall Street Journal in one click. Mm-hmm. Or you can, you know, watch a movie in one click. Or you can subscribe to, you know, or you can land on a, on a site after seeing an Instagram ad and actually just check out in one click once you like the product, right? Or, or do it or check out from an ad itself right, is some frictionless, you know, maybe it is, um, you know, a mascara bundle or something that you see in an ad and just one click purchase from the ad itself that, you know, that has been the nirvana of advertising for a long time. But it also means like through social media, you know, one click of purchase through social media, if, if you do see an influencer, you know, um, promoting a product that you, that you like or something that you, that you do want, it's just about unlocking the value a lot sooner, right, and having less barriers um, for consumers to actually buy the things that they want to buy and enjoy the things they want to enjoy. And uh, so there's like a whole Rolodex of opportunity. And I think things like um, our physical reorder product is going to just uh, like unlock a whole new wave of um, opportunity again, because it's not limited to the per order originally. So, you know, you could go to the supermarket and buy ketchup off the shelf and then take it home. And then when you're finished, then scan the code. Anyone in your house could scan the code and instantly more would be delivered. So it's not tied to a person, it's tied to a product. And, you know, I think having that ability to, um, to, to mix like real well to digital, you know, transactions that simply it will just like unlock, unlock opportunities that we, we you know, can't even think about at the moment. I love that. I also think 
TikTok is big. I mean, my team always laughs at me about that, but I think about how many mm-hmm. people I follow on there. And I was watching this one girl's video where she had some cup off Amazon and she was just doing a silly review. And apparently like millions of people bought this cup just because of her yeah. review, but she didn't get any attribution back. And it would have been nice yeah. to have, you know, a fast button in there where Completely. it's like, buy that. I want that too. Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, we're, we're going to run tests of like one click checkout from, uh, you know, just just from links in Twitter later mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. And um, but yeah, TikTok, you know, 100%. And we can, we'll be able to do it later this year from a QR code embedded in the TikTok videos or Instagram videos, uh, which would give them attribution and, you know, affiliate fees and whatever else. Yeah, I think that there's so much that we could do and we'd love to, you know, we'll really expect to work a lot more closely with some of the large networks, um, the large, you know, social networks over the next um, the next 12 months. Really cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see where it transforms to. All right, so I want to shift over to the lightning round brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud. This is where I'm going to ask a question and you have a minute or less to answer. Are you ready, Dom? Sure. What's up next on your podcast list? Do you listen to podcasts or do you just join them? <laughs> Yeah, so actually, I'm listening to Business Wars at the moment. I am I'm really enjoying um, hearing about one, the war of two companies. I think is you know is kind of interesting, mm-hmm. but the history of companies as well. Like you know, I had no idea that Ad, you know the founder of Adidas one you know one how, how Adidas got its name, and then two that the brother of the founder of Adidas started Puma. Oh yeah, um, you know. So uh, anyway, I, I find these um, stories amazing. So that's, um, I'm, I'm digging my way through the many seasons of that podcast. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we wrote, so we have a podcast called The Story and we did a whole mm-hmm. episode on the brothers and how they were building Adidas together and yeah, how they shifted uh-huh. over to having competing companies. So it was a very interesting story. Yeah, yeah, amazing. What's up next in your travel destinations when you can travel? Where are you headed? I'm, you know, I'm, I am Australian, as you can hear, and I'm just addicted to the sun. I'm like a lizard, you know, and so it's always tropical beach. Yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to be able to get to Hawaii for, you know, I'm, I'm optimistically, maybe naively optimistic about getting to Hawaii for Christmas. Nice. Um, but uh, a- anywhere with sun and sun and water is my dream destination. That's great. Uh, what is your most recent impulse buy? What did you hit a uh, fast checkout on recently? <laughs> Oh, that's a great, uh, so Solo Stove, well, like great merchants um, now, but, uh, you know, and a product that we actually just used at a beach last night and, and it's a Solo Stove. So it's a um, fire pit Ooh. and uh, beautiful fire pits and, uh, and, and they're really an, an amazing product. And we, and we went down to Ocean Beach last night and had, a, had it and busted it out for the first time. Uh, so that was, and that we bought that with fast checkout from the, from the product page. Um, but yeah, so that was a really, really nice product. To buy. That sounds nice. I need one of those. Mm-hmm. If you were to have a podcast, what would it be about? And who would your first guest be? Oh, uh, you know, we're thinking about this at the moment. I, I do think that there's like lots of opportunity in e-commerce um, and a lot of companies doing, you know, really interesting things, especially in the age of COVID is, you know, um, uh, the, world is, the world has changed so dramatically. Uh, I think Nike has been doing some really interesting things and, and rapidly sort of uh, changing you know, their, their business model. You know, the CEOs come from a tech background. I think that would be a very interesting discussion to kind of think, uh, hear, hear more about Nike's uh, you know, ongoing strategy and you know, what, what the brand looks like moving forwards. That would be a good one. All right. And the last one, what one thing will have the biggest impact on e-commerce in the next year? Well, I mean, I'll give you two things. One is the obvious, which is COVID is, yeah. is you know, has drastically shaping um, e-commerce. Uh, the second one is logistics, right? Um, uh, you know, again, forcing function because of COVID, but, you know, with increased e-commerce demand, but uh, logistics is, um, uh, you know, definitely going to, 
it'd be interesting to see how logistics plays out um, with, and changes e-commerce, especially democratizing the sort of Amazon effect right across the internet. Yep. Yeah, completely agree. Well, Don, this has been a very fast interview. I think we did your brand justice by how quick and <laughs> how many hits we had in here. Where can people find out more about you and Fast? Great. Yeah, thanks. It was, uh, I had a blast and uh, people may have to listen at a slower speed because I know I talk quickly. Me too. But, um, uh, so uh, fast, F-A-S-T.co, um, you go on our website, have a look, sign up um, as a consumer. If you're, if you're a merchant, hit us at sales at fast.co. We'd love to get in touch um, or go to fast.co forward slash sellers. You can hit us on social media. We're very active on Twitter. We're active on all the channels, but Twitter is definitely our number one channel. You can go to twitter.com forward slash fast and uh, you can engage with the business. If you want to talk to me directly, twitter.com forward slash dom, D-O-M-M. Oh, that's a good handle. Perfect. Thanks so much, Dom. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you'll probably also love our e-commerce newsletter. To get it delivered straight to your inbox every week, sign up at mission.org slash upnextincommerce. Upnext in Commerce is brought to you by Salesforce Commerce Cloud and created by the team at mission.org. Subscribe now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.